Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Now Hear This is a music review podcast and is not directly affiliated with any artists or album projects discussed on the show. Think of us like your record collection come to life. Well, except your missing collection of rare Japanese three-inch records, I have a confession to make. I've been using them as coasters for about seven weeks now. I am a little bit sorry. You got a record of your favorite songs. You got an hour and it won't take long. You got a pair of brand new friends. You got a ticket gonna stick to the end. I said now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this show. But my superhero name is St. Vincent. Pills to wake, pills to sleep, pills, pills, pills every day of the week. Pills to walk, pills to think, pills, pills, pills for the family. I spend the year suspended in air, my mind on the gap, my head on the stairs. From healer to dealers and then back again from guru to voodoo and voodoo to zen. Pills to wake, pills to sleep. remember when you said this but oh no there was a point i think maybe the brendan benson episode where you're like did you did we are we doing this podcast just so you can talk about this album <laughs> and it wasn't true for that one it may be true for this one. Oh I... no i found you out <laughs> welcome back to now hear this the great musical exchange we're back that's right again and it's my turn this week, and I am very, very excited about this one. Very excited. I'm excited, too. I'll tell you why. And I haven't said this to you at all yet. Not a fan of this girl until you made me listen to this record. Wow. Wow. Not a fan. Interesting. I always thought St. Vincent was weird for the sake of it. Yeah. And I never, ever had somebody that could just walk me through something. Yeah. And obviously, we haven't done it yet, so I'll say this. You've taken somebody that does not like this, <laughs> and you've changed my mind on it. Good. That's great. Please tell me more is where we're, where we're at. Well, good. Yeah, so we're, we're reviewing this episode, St. Vincent's Mass Seduction album from 2017, mm-hmm. and I had a not a similar thing, but... When uh, the big album of hers, her self-titled album, came out in 2014, I had heard that song, Digital Witness, the one with the big brass I sent you last night. Yeah. And I was obsessed with it. I spun it a lot. I was very, very into it at the time. But I found myself kind of struggling with her other material, even on that record, even the commercially sounding stuff on that record. And I kind of dropped her a little bit. I played the album 
still yeah to a degree but i didn't delve into it more i let it sit for three whole years whoa long time and then just on the off chance i saw tickets pop up when i was out here in la because at the time when i discovered her i was in new york and i saw tickets pop up and i thought oh you know whatever i'll give it a shot that sounds kind of cool and the tickets were for a special presentation of her previewing the entire album on the universal studios lot mm-hmm. and i started digging around a little bit in advance of the show and i started to go like oh what is this oh uh-huh. this is what this is uh-huh. oh and i started to kind of get it so by the time i actually attended that concert i was not a super fan but i was like I get this. I understand this. Mm-hmm. And that show was a one-woman show. St. Vincent walks on the stage in her classic presentation dressed as a fucking space alien in her pink onesie bathing suit slash space suit slash sex dungeon attire. It's definitely a dungeon involved somewhere. <laughs> and she was up there with her guitar, which she designed. She has her own brand of guitar. I don't know that. And she played through the entire album and a series of her hits just by herself with a backing track hmm. and some some audio visual elements. And I was in love. I was smitten. I couldn't believe because it was at a time, 2017, you know, we talked about Jack White a little bit on the show. It was at a time when we were in sort of a Jack drought. He had not put out a new solo album in a while and we didn't know when a new album was coming. And uh-huh. I didn't really have any guitar gods to kind of fill the void for me in that time. And when I saw her up there, just shredding, she's very good at the guitar, just shredding these songs dressed like she arrived on planet earth on Tuesday mm. and crushing it and sing in their voice and i was just like oh my god and i just i became a super fan in that moment wow. boom went home downloaded all the albums listened to them considerably really got intense about it and i wound up seeing this mass seduction tour three times <laughs> the last time was really funny because it was filmed by bobcat goldthwaite huh you're kidding me so bobcat I guess I could call him Bobcat would come out and like give instructions to the audience to like stop looking at the camera. <laughs> Hi, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It feels, thank you. But it really blew me away. And so if you're the kind of person that, like I am who just needs a guitar God in their life, you know, this is the gospel for you. And, you know, like you say, she is kind of experimental and it is arty. Let's mm-hmm. call it. Totally. But I think it's in the tradition of Talking Heads and those types of bands, which are also weird, but they know what they're doing. And Annie Clark, St. Vincent's real name, knows what she's doing very, very well. Totally does. So anyway, this album came out 2017. And like, I don't think she's ever made a perfect record just start to finish all the way straight through. I think the self-titled kind of gets close. I happen to like this one the most of the bunch just because it has a lot of great variety and a lot of great tracks and a lot of great performances. Overall, just I'm more enamored with her oeuvre than the idea that it's a perfect record because I don't know if that idea matters to me with my St. Vincent fandom quite so much. Well, in the same way as Jack, like Lazaretto, I love that album, but there's two songs I just don't really like on it. Yeah, so. you could not like a couple songs on a favorite artist album. That's Yeah. I think it's more frightening if you like every song of your favorite artist 
You're like, this is great. This shovel more shit into my ears and eyes. Thank you so much. <laughs> so you said that you didn't really care for it for a while. You thought it was weird for the sake of weird. What was your introduction, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I guess I can get a little personal without revealing names. I, there's a friend I have who... I have a couple of these, not many. I don't know if everybody has these types of people where you're very close with somebody and then it's just, you grow apart and there's no communication at all anymore. Yeah. And she was always a big, 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 huge, enormous fan. And I don't know if it's because of that friendship or I just genuinely, every time I put it on, I didn't like it or I wasn't at the right stage in my life. I hadn't lived in New York yet. And I think that's an important I mean, it sounds a little pretentious and very like, I think living in New York or at least going to New York is an important part of your growth as a, maybe more of a, more as an artist than a person. Not that I'm a famous artist or even an artist. It's, there's something about the city. Yeah. Experiencing it changes the way you look at maybe where you are from or where you even want to live or how you want to live. And I yeah I don't know I've I always loved her guitar work I loved her weird guitar tones and I, the, when I really smacked into her was when David Byrne put that record out with yeah. her and I liked I was like yeah I like this album this is good I don't hate this so but I'd never I never made the leap to go explore other things. I mean, I, it sounds like we had a similar experience, uh, aside from the the initial like aversion. Like I, as I say, I had heard Digital Witness, loved it, but mm-hmm. didn't feel like I could connect to the other material. Yeah, it takes a little while. I I don't think I'm really an art rock person. Eno, I discovered was one of those art rocker types that I really enjoyed and wasn't prepared to enjoy because I just didn't. I don't know. It, I'm not like super into the avant-garde, I guess. But, you know, it's funny because the avant-garde eventually just becomes the norm anyway. Yeah. When this album came out, I sent it to my brother, James, whom you all heard. And he was like, oh, this is just this is a pop record. And I was like, I guess so. I was just more dwelling on her guitar work. It sounded like Jack White to me more than anything else. It's pop with really, really rock and roll guitar solos or art. It's more art rock, which an art right. rock goes into pop all the time. Whether because what people call her the the Lady Bowie or she's almost a bit of the she's like a white Janelle Monet something like that. Yeah, and when you said you I, you know you said that the other night uh, over text, and I was thinking about it, and they kind of came up actually at the same time. True, and maybe Saint Vincent a little bit before Janelle Monet. I think she's a slightly bit older, but we can get into her background a little bit. She was born as I say Annie Clark in. Um, Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1982, mm-hmm. and um, her parents split when she was young, and she moved to the suburbs of Dallas, Texas with her mom, and that's kind of where she grew up. So she's from Texas, basically, which is odd 
when you're listening to this because it sounds very coastal. You know, it sounds very like yeah. some very highbrow art installation in, in Soho or something. But no, she's from Texas. And I guess her mom was a little bit of a character. There's some story about she at one point crashed the family car, but was so intrigued by the aesthetics of the wreck, she climbed out and took photographs of it. Wow. So I guess that kind of gives you a little bit of a sense of where the upbringing was coming from. Yeah, more than clear. Very, very fascinating. And there's a dichotomy to her, you know, like we were saying, there's a pop streak and there's an art streak in there. And that kind of extended to to how she was growing up. She was a theater nerd, but she was also like a all-star soccer player. Hmm. And, you know, the theatrics carried on very much into her music. Everything about her is, yeah, it's a presentation. It's a character. She's, you know, even the name St. Vincent, we'll get to how she settled on that. It's, she calls it her superhero name. You know, she's putting on this persona. And that's what I guess ultimately gives me the Jack White vibes about her. Very similar in that sense. She was apparently obsessed with the movie La Bamba as a kid. (laughs) I saw uh, that, the red guitar. I I don't know where I I bumped into that information. Really interesting, and I guess that's where she got the the itch for guitar. Could you tell me uh, what your first experience with guitar was? I started playing when I was 12. There was a shitty guitar store called Zoo Music by my house in Garland, Texas. You know, she was really into sort of grunge when she was growing up, Pearl Jam and Nirvana. 82, you know, she's a few years older than me, so she was a little more cognizant during that grunge era. But she did have musicians in the family. Her aunt and her uncle are a folk duo named Tuck and Patty. And it's funny, on one of those Mass Seduction tour shows, Tuck and Patty opened no kidding. for St. Vincent. So I actually saw Tuck and Patty. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of cool when you get so successful, you can have your inspiration or your heroes perform with you. Yeah, yeah. And they're actually on this album briefly. And the weirdest part about it is they're on some of the more sexually explicit songs. Weird. Um, which is odd for an aunt and uncle to be a part of. <laughs> yes. Feeling avuncular. So anyway, she went to college at Berkeley Music College in Boston, but she was actually a dropout. And she dropped out because she went back home to Texas and I guess had in some way, and I didn't really find out how she linked up with them, but she'd linked up with the Polyphonic Spree. And she wound up going on tour with the Polyphonic Spree in 2003 while also kind of hawking her own stuff on the side. And then through the polyphonic spree, fell in with Sufjan Stevens. Sufjan. I'm still waiting for the rest of those States albums, Sufjan. (laughs) You promised me 50. I think we got two. My wife got me into Sufjan Stevens because of the St. Vincent connection, actually. And she was like, I think you would like this. He played with Annie. And yeah, later on, I guess... It wasn't the last Grammys, but the Grammys before uh, Annie played with Sufjan. Or was it the Oscars? It was something like that. They did some yeah. duet recently. I saw Sufjan in Chicago right around that time. And it's funny you say that because I now can s- clearly see in my head her on the stage. Yeah. Polyphonic Spree I didn't know about. I liked I liked the first record they did. It, I think it was 2003 or four. I'm not terribly versed. My brother James saw them live toward the tail end of the 2000s after Annie had left. And what I've heard I like, although I haven't really done the dive in any great degree. But 
you know, I think she's really the example of you don't need a degree if you kind of go out and live it. After I left school, I moved to New York City and ran out of money very quickly and uh, moved back to Texas um, and was very much in that, like, what am I going to do with my life? I've dropped out of college and I went to the big city to make it, whatever that means. I have no idea. I I had no tangible plan. Um, And I failed and I thought, oh, God, it's what do I do now? So um, it just so happened that my friend played in a a band called the Polyphonic Spree. And he said, hey, they're always asking, uh, looking for fresh talent. You know, you should come and try out. They're having tryouts. And um, so I did. I learned all the songs and I got pedals that I thought would work and um, walked into the audition and I knew everything. And I got the gig that that day, you know, it was Tim, the lead singer, just said, do you have a passport? You're going to Europe. And I said, yes. So um, I started uh, started playing in that band and touring with them. And in the interim, I was making my first solo record. And then I haven't stopped touring. So yeah, it was on these tours where she was hawking her own music on the side with an eye toward branching out on her own. And in her 20s, she moved to New York. She must have been touring with the Polyphonic Spree around this time or whatever. But when she was in New York, that's where she adopted the name St. Vincent. And I, I never knew this, actually, but I found that she took it from two things. It was a Nick Cave lyric mm-hmm. that mentioned saint vincent hospital in the song there she goes my beautiful world so it's it's named for a a new york hospital saint vincent's but it's also by way of this nick cave song and as i mentioned she sort of treats it as her stage name her superhero name something like that it's yeah it's a persona and by the way i didn't know any of this like in all of my now, I guess, years of fandom, I never felt compelled to learn anything about her origin because I kind of almost didn't want to know. I kind of like the mystery more. Yeah, that seems to be a thing with her, that she likes the mystery. Yeah, because she is she's more than what her past is. She's just it's more about the presentation, exactly like Bowie type of thing. Mm hmm. But anyway, so that's where that came from. And then in 2007, she released her debut solo LP which was called Marry Me. And <laughs> this is great. I didn't know this either. The album's called Marry Me as an homage to Maybe's catchphrase from Arrested Development. Oh, I didn't know that. That's when hilarious. she says, marry me. <laughs> yeah, marry me. It's like a joke, yeah. <laughs> Babysit me. Uh, it's really, really funny to me. That's a good record. I don't like it as much as her later work. It is a little slower, a little folkier, a little sparse. But the song Marry Me is really, really good. I'll play a little bit of that here. Marry me, John, marry me, John, I'll be so good to you. You won't realize I'm gone. Marry me, John, marry me, John, I'll be so sweet.
clever lyrics. It evokes Let Him In mm-hmm. from Wings mm-hmm. a little in its melody and the, the style and punctuation and stuff. And then she, you know, from there released subsequent albums, Actor and Strange Mercy. And by the time of Strange Mercy, that's 2011, that kind of built up her notoriety a bit. And she wound up striking up a friendship with David Byrne around that time because I guess Byrne was at one of her gigs. And when he saw her playing guitar on the stage, he felt, as he was quoted as saying, quote, stunned. Wow. And had to go talk to her. So he approached her, actually, which I thought was interesting. That's crazy. They collaborated on an album together. And I really like that album. It sounds like a Talking Heads record, to be honest. It definitely sounds like a Talking Heads record. I just wish he would get the band back together, but apparently he's never going to do it. That voice is so damn distinct that no matter what he does, it just kind of sounds like Talking Heads. I love the video, too. Great video. Where he sort of runs down Annie in the street, and they're dancing, and it's weird, and he's like taking swigs from a flask. But uh, yeah, so anyway, around that time, she signed to Loma Vista, um, which is a record label that would eventually wind up turning her into the the more of the star she is today, let's say. And for reference, Margot Price just signed with Loma Vista for her new record. So mm. parallels there, Margot starting in the more indie space and then moving into the, the bigger space. So I think, you know, maybe I'm seeing some similarities between these artists we've talked about. Annie made the biggest splash of her career in 2014 with her self-titled album, as I mentioned, for which she won the Grammy for Best Alternative Rock Album. She was the first female performer in 20 years to win the Grammy for that particular category. Wow. And from there, I guess Prince reportedly attended one of her shows, and then she started getting invited to different kind of things. She played with the surviving members of Nirvana for a Nirvana show, which is great. And I didn't know this. She struck up some kind of friendship with Taylor Swift, and this I didn't know at all, but she, Taylor Swift, and Beck all performed together in 2015 at the Staples Center. <laughs> doing what? They were doing a Beck song. It's wild. Absolutely wow. wild. I recently fell into a weird Taylor Swift rabbit hole in the past, like, couple months. She's not bad. She's got some good songs. Yeah, it's good pop records, kind of solid pop, and, and I, didn't, I didn't know why it spoke to me in the way it did, but... Hearing that Annie knew Taylor Swift and actually finding out later that Annie co-wrote a song with Taylor Swift and Jack Antonoff on Taylor Swift's Lover album, I'm like, wow, of course I love that stuff as much as I did. Cool. These connections, I just didn't know were there. It was wild. This song called Cruel Summer. It's actually really good. Okay, so she's in the public eye, you know, she's not celebrity yet, but she's on the fringes of celebrity. That Grammy win gives her a lot of notoriety, and she starts dating arguably the best known model in the world, Cara Delavigne. Cara Delavigne, okay. And they date for 18 months, and that is the thing that starts getting her in tabloids, and that's the thing that sort of starts... Yeah you know you you move up the steps right that was a big step for her i think just fame wise and um they actually split and a lot of the breakup is evident on this record so this record in a lot of ways actually is kind of a breakup record 
the great thing about is it a song is that it really ceases to be about the writer of the song after it's in the world. I don't think you can write things you don't know, but they but it doesn't have to be literal. You can know something emotionally. And a lot of times in songs, you find out what you think or how you feel about something just in the process of following this thread. You follow it and then you look back and go, oh, that's how I felt? That's, that's where I was? Wow. You know, I didn't realize it at the time exactly. She did say, at the time, my whole life is in this record. I've always kept my writing close to the vest. And by that, I mean, I am going to write about my life. Sometimes in the past, I did that way more obliquely than now, but it's almost like an involuntary reflex. I can't help but be living and also taking notes about what's going on. So, you know, this record was basically written over the course of her rise to fame, and so that's where you get some of the bravado in the record. It's her reacting to fame. A lot like rap artists do that all the time. Mm, Of course. And, you know, she's she still remains very guarded. In fact, David Byrne was quoted as saying, despite having toured with her for almost a year, I don't think I know her much better, or at least not on a personal level. Mystery is not a bad thing for a beautiful, talented young woman or man to embrace, and she does it without seeming to be standoffish or distant. You know, you can see that in interviews. She's very sarcastic. She's very funny. She obfuscates an awful lot. I think calling this a breakup record is disingenuous, but there's a part of that in this record and also a part of her rise to fame in the record. It makes sense. I see, I see. It's funny. I consider her a celebrity. So maybe, I don't know when, but see, I've considered her a celebrity for much longer time, but maybe that's because I'm a music nerd. I did too. But for context, Mass Seduction was her first top 10 album just ever. So while you and I are looking at these musicians in that way, I guess as far as mainstream appeal goes, it wasn't really till that Grammy win that people started to look outside of the indie crowd. The song Cruel was kind of a big song for her. And so that one, I guess, was maybe some more of the breakthrough. But this album that we're listening to, Mass Seduction, is really her, like, I'm a celebrity now album. Like, this is the one where she's like, all right, I'm famous, and this is it. So we'll talk a little bit about the recording of it. The album's thesis statement Annie described as the lyric from the title track, I can't turn off what turns me on. So there's also, as we've been alluding to this whole time, a lot of sex on this record. Great line. Yeah. Great line. Yeah. There were some revelations I found when I was researching how the album came together. A lot of guest stars I didn't know were there. Are you familiar with Kamasi Washington? Of course. Yeah. He plays fucking sax on this album. (laughs) Did you know that? No, I didn't. Kamasi's amazing. I know about him because they're the Nice Life guys, Lizzo's label mates. Oh, yeah. They introduced yeah. me to all that music and such great stuff. Really good. I, I had a little jazz like flirtation about 10 years ago, and I dabble every now and again, but Kamasi Washington blew me away. I saw him at Arroyo Seco, and live, it just absolutely blew my mind. It was really, really good. But anyway, he's on this thing, and so is. Jenny Lewis. Jenny Lewis contributed guest vocals on the song Pills. I had no idea Jenny was on this record. No, I didn't know either. Wild. I did find out that Jenny and Annie were 
friends because for a couple of things. But when I was doing the research for the Jenny episode, I found out that Jenny, when she broke up with that Johnny guy, wound up sleeping on Annie's couch in New York for while she was getting over it. Which is no wild. kidding. <laughs> it's crazy. And then Annie shows up on the internet like special that Jenny did for her latest record on the line. Mm-hmm. And uh, she does like uh, Jenny reads a, like a card, almost like um, she reads like a word, and then Annie has to come up with a guitar riff that matches the word. It's a really funny segment. Check that out on YouTube, everybody. Yeah, and then as I mentioned, Tuck and Patty are also on there too. And so anyway, that the guests on this thing are uh, are really cool. And then the album is produced by Jack Antonoff. Now, Jack Antonoff probably would you say the biggest producer in the world right now? He's definitely one of them. He's definitely top five. Absolutely no questions about that. I have also heard people refer to him as the Woody Allen of music. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, because he's a squirrely nerd or because he's banging his daughter? <laughs> I don't know. But it, wasn't oh, okay. he dating that one woman from Girls? The, the What's her name? I guarantee your wife's a fan of this girl. I just can't think of the, her name. Lena Dunham? That's the one. There's a lady that I hear is batshit crazy. <laughs> do my own radio drops now right there's also production credits attributed to lars stalfers and john congleton but i think i think the website i was looking at must have been conflating those with just technical credits because i'm pretty certain jack antonoff kind of did this whole thing or at least most of it alongside annie because she's also listed as a producer on the record but mm. i wasn't too familiar with this dude he's only a year older than me or less than a year older for me and grew up not far from where i grew up in in new jersey and i had no idea but it explains a lot mm-hmm. but yeah he's famous for producing taylor swift's 1989 and I'm working with Taylor Swift an awful lot, but he's also worked with just loads and loads of people. Lord, Lana Del Rey, Carly Rae Jepsen, just the list is really, really long. And he co-wrote some of the songs on Mass Seduction, uh, including the title track, which he won, wound up winning a Grammy for with Annie. Jack Antonoff was someone who was in my peripheral vision for a long time. Um, and I, I always had the sense that he was like a really nice guy, he had a great you know, reputation. Um, but I never really knew him until we sat down and had dinner and talked about this album. And more than that, we just kind of talked about everything that was going wrong in each other's lives at that time. We just like bonded in such a uh, heavy way very quickly. And I just knew that he was the right person to work with because he was so you know, thoughtful and energetic and sympathetic and... Um, and the ultimate cheerleader. He worked on Norman fucking Rockwell by Lana Del Rey. Have you heard that record? Love it. It's a great Love record. It. It's really good. So this guy knows what he's doing. He has an ear for pop. He has an ear for hip hop, but he's also got an ear for rock because he's also in the band Fun. Is that band still together? Where's their? Shouldn't they, shouldn't they be making albums? They were like one of the biggest bands in the world for a bit. Yeah, I mean maybe just on the strength of his scene value you know he seems to know everybody so i guess everyone would be seen at the fun show or whatever lars uh, stalfers is an la-based producer and he's also worked with quite a few people including um 
Cold War Kids, Local Natives, Easy Ward, Foster the People, Katy Perry, Matt and Kim, Mars Volta, there's the Jack White connection, Juliette Lewis, Real Big Fish, a ton of people. I love Real Big Fish. She's got a girlfriend now. She's got a girlfriend <laughs> now. I miss that. I haven't listened to that album in 15 years. Yeah, I, I wasn't a ska guy. I didn't I really go down. I didn't do that trip. You know? Well, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago, my dude, where the, the home of punk pop. And if you liked music, that was in your orbit. Were you skanking? I've had a skanky leg uh, once and again. <laughs> <laughs> I was a kid. I would go. I went to ska shows. I'd go to pop punk shows. I saw Rancid a couple times. Oh. I saw McCartney. I saw some. Like, I have a, you know. What a horrible childhood, right? Like, I've never <laughs> been... I go to hip-hop stuff. I, I've never been one to be like, I don't like that because it's not what defines my... Blah, blah, blah. It's like, how about you're just a fan of art and music and go watch some stuff. Be open-minded. It's a great attitude to have, Ryan. Uh, thank you very much. I also wore a lot of blazers as mm-hmm. a younger man. I don't wear any anymore. Very... Did they go well with your Jenkos? <laughs> no, I never... <laughs> I was never a Janko man. I did have cargo shorts. Is that close enough? You're Lee Pipes, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old Johnny Congleton, the last in that list there. Looks like he worked with St. Vincent quite a bit. He's worked with Fantagram, who I love, and the Polyphonic Spree, so it's possible that that's where he and Annie got together. Uh, John also worked with David Byrne. Chairlift, the Decemberist, Earl Sweatshirt, um, Erica Badu. I like Earl Sweatshirt. I actually do. I do too. Yeah, Kimbra. I really like Kimbra. I feel like that's not really your thing, but I like Kimbra a lot. <laughs> I, I don't mind Kimbra. I don't mind Kimbra at all. I was in line at the Earth Cafe once, and Kimbra walked in, and I was the only person that knew who she was. And I was like, "Is that Kimbra?" And it was like <laughs> nobody gave a shit, and she kind of like awkwardly looked at me and then ran away. It was amazing. That is awesome. I love that. Sharon Van Eaton, who had a really great record last year. Slater Kinney, he worked with Regina Spector, Mountain Goats, just a ton of people. That I, I love the Mountain Goats. Oh, man. That was a good show. I had to leave the show early, though, when I saw them because uh, my daughter was sick at home and I had to go run and take care of it. But I, I enjoyed it. It was really good. So that brings us to October 13th, 2017, released on my fourth wedding anniversary, the album Mass Seduction. It was released and accompanied by some weird video clips of Annie holding a press conference with no one, mm-hmm. uh, with herself, basically. And It's I, very I, David Byrne-esque. Oh, it's, it was all an art piece. In fact, all the visuals for this record, it's really interesting. Not only are they dripping with sex, but they're dripping with color. There was like a video shoot or a series of video shoots she did where she's like, everything is dressed in very distinct colors. There's like an aqua, pink, all this stuff. And they're all like art installations. And she must have shot just hours and hours of this stuff because it wound up accompanying her tour. She would play it yeah. on these big screens behind the stage yeah. so you'd be sitting there watching this person shred this guitar in some cases alone like i saw her by just by herself without well, you're saying to track or is she just soloing with, with just nothing behind her when i saw her solo it was to track okay and behind her are these monolith these gigantic images of her eating possessed demon sushi or faxing an infinite number of faxes that just say the word no over and over again or her in full gimp outfit getting a manicure (laughs) gimp outfit 
it was such a visceral experience. And that's what I mean. Like when I saw that tour, it was immersive. I was sucked into this world. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like I was absolutely sucked into this universe of St. Vincent. I haven't felt that way other than with Jack White projects when he's, you know, kind of does the same thing. It's really, you know, why I became a huge fan is this record and this release. And she tailors her look to each record. In her 2014 album, she had this crazy curly gray hair that kind of shot out in places was weird. Mm. But for this record, she's got this black bob and this space lady outfit with these big boots and it's all rubber. and Yeah, she definitely stepped up the style game. And then that Dua Lipa clip you sent me, I was like, yeah. oh yeah, this is definitely a step up from what we were doing before. Which is unfortunate because that same Grammys, Janelle Monet wore something very, very similar, doing something very, very similar. Maybe that's why I have the association in my mind. But yeah, we'll get into a little reception before we jump into the tracks, but uh, the album hit number 10, as I mentioned, in the U.S. Billboard charts. It was her first top 10 record in the U.S., and it was nominated for three Grammys and won two of them, Best Recording Package and Best Rock Song for the title track. As I recall, they sort of rush-released a video for the title track at the time. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it was pretty universally critically acclaimed and, you know, a lot of comparisons, like you mentioned, to David Bowie, Prince, people like that, art rockers, people who are using image and creating spectacle of themselves. It's a very compelling world that she's created. Yeah. Were you aware of this album at all when it came out or not really? All of her albums come out and I'm aware of them. I just don't listen to them and I don't know why. <laughs> so now I have to go back. I can be, sometimes I am... You know, there's, I don't know, four or five types of people when it comes to new things. There are people that dive headfirst into a new trend or a new song or a new artist, and they're the early adopters. And then there's varying degrees of people in between that. And then there's just the late bloomers. Yeah, I'm very rarely in the middle. I'm either sure. the better late than never guy or the... Way out in front, yeah. Like, for example, and this will maybe date the episode... And no, it won't. The day that the new Justin Roiland cartoon came out, Solar Opposites, the guy that made Rick and Morty, uh -huh. I watched all of it. Sure. And I think it's better than Rick and Morty. And I've been going out there and saying, this is better than Rick and Morty. I just, when I know that I know, I know that I know, if that makes any <laughs> sense. Something about St. Vincent, there's some distance between the material and me, but this has cracked it open. Yeah, And so now maybe I'll find myself the next year or two just taking it all in very quickly. Oh, good. I hope you do. I, when I'm looking for new music, those links to the past are always there in my mind, and it always helps me. And I think St. Vincent is just another one in the long string of artists which are standing on the shoulders of the kind of classic rock or art rock or new wave groups that I enjoy from the past. And she's just kind of building on it as far as I'm concerned. And, and You're right. And so that's that's really what hooked me. And, and that's, again, the reason I like Jack, similar reasons. But anyway, yeah, so before we go into the track by track here, I guess we'll, I guess we'll saunter into the, uh, what rolling, should we saunter? Rolling, rolling, keep them bullets rolling, ride! Good morning. I'm going to be your instructor. Okay, I know you're anxious to jump right in. <laughs> I've got three bullets. This is Paul's Bullet Corner. It's where I summarize the album with weird puns. I've got three for this one. My first one Uno. is... 
The mutant guitar goddess from Alpha Centauri is here to erect a monolith in your head. Perfect. I can't even laugh at that because it was perfectly written. (laughs) Thank you. Like a little bonsai tree in a garden. (laughs) (laughs) Bullet number two. Come, all you villains. Come one and all. Come in this rubber glove, but throw that away. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to sing that to the tune of, Oh, come, all ye faithful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come in this rubber glove I got from Walmart. Oh, come. (laughs) And my last bullet, the real slim sexy selling fluidity to the suburbs. Ooh, whew. like a cool <laughs> glass of lemonade. <laughs> uh, and of course, the cover here before we get into the track by track is is her is her is her butt. This I will say butt. this on a lot of the records you've sent me. There's a lot of ladies showing their parts in the album's <laughs> art. <laughs> Look, it's just me and them sassy ladies again, you know. Yes, but your ladies are getting angrier and sexier, and my guys are getting more drunk. <laughs> Look at this. Look at this little sucker here. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Just, just a, just All a big kinds wow. of fetish material in the just fold a, out of the look album. Look at those eyes. Those stare to your soul. I do like her haircut. I will say I like it more than that curly... You know, I like it more than her normal hair. I like... So what I'm saying is I like when artists <laughs> dress themselves up for me. And hide who they really are. (laughs) Let's start in with this album here. Hang on me, track one. Void is black and unblinking. Is that what it says? I, I, you know, I've never read the lyrics on that one. See, see, I can't. A lot of these lyrics. Maybe that's a funny point to make or an interesting point to make. I think it is the void is back and unblinking. I don't know if it's back or black, but it's a great line, and I like just how she's just going for the a a a a rhyme scheme. Sleeping, thinking, drinking, blam blinking. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, ASMR rock is how I described it. A precursor to the Billie Eilish sound, I think, in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Annie wrote this one solo. Just, yeah, beautiful lyrics. Uh, an interesting album opener because it is moody. It's a little, I don't know. It's it's weird. How would you describe this production? I don't know. Maybe you have the be- a better language for me, but it sounds muted in a way. I made some notes about that. I like the art. Well, the, you have all these arpeggiated synthesizers, and I don't know. I don't know whether they're the real synth. I mean, they're probably the real synths, but most people do this stuff. They call it in the box, meaning in in software. And just yeah. all the synth work in general is very, in a word, good. You know, they, you can get so cheesy with synthesizers so fast. And right. especially that's, that there's a solo around one minute or one minute, 10 seconds in, just all of the the tones. It's I would call it understated, maybe, but somehow... Sure. It, the way you described her personality, mysterious and sexy and, you know, uh, like technically gifted is a lot of what the production style reflects. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I, totally. It, it almost sounds like, you know, in movies when they have like scenes with, with where people have been hit with like a 
there's like a mortar that went off around them and, and they go deaf and, and their version of deaf is hearing things just at a whisper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes you lean in and makes it feel more dramatic. I think this is kind of maybe one of those exercises. Interestingly enough, when I bought the record, it came with a digital download of the, the high test stuff, the wave files, not the, not the sort of MP3s, but yeah. the real, the good oh, stuff. The, the big fat wave. I'm waiting for my red rose speedway. <laughs> files i love all that high fidelity stuff it's so good i know you love i don't have the audio equipment to appreciate it really so when i (laughs) i put this on in my car this album on in my car with those fat ass fucking wave files and my car speakers sounded like (laughs) yeah it just just sounded like muddled garbage oh no and i was i was devastated (laughs) i hope my car is now a cube from the wave files I thought it busted my speakers because it sounds like the bass is turned way up or something on mm. this because it's that I don't even know what that effect is. I don't, what do you, so just a well, that's the whole thing. So bass notes and tones—they're physically in reality like in where you're walking around right now. They're large. They can be as large as like the waveforms are as large as walls. That's why when wow. you hear bass, it can travel through. You know, you hear the car outside the boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Because the wave actually can resonate through the wall because it's so big. That's and that's crazy. why it, it'll rattle the, the wall because that's called the resonant frequency. So when you get a note and then all of a sudden you're, all your china is falling out the, wherever the fuck you put china, it's because that tone has made the physical thing vibrate at its base frequency. So it's, wow. that's what's happening. Yeah, all the high stuff we hear is very, very, it's small because it bounces off your ears. But bass, it's meant to signify something very large and threatening coming at you. <laughs> like a dinosaur, like a T-Rex, for example. Oh, man, you need a science corner. Nerd corner. Chris Mercer taught me all that music tech stuff. I have no application for it except for right here. It's <laughs> wild. Hang on me was a song that on mass seduction, I, I kind of couldn't figure out what sonic space it was supposed to live in. There was something that felt anthemic about the like that it could be a big like rock kind of song, but it just never like I tried to kind of cram it in that space and it just was like, nah, no, sorry. So that one ended up being small and and intimate it's not a song i I go back to terribly often but it's a great palette cleanser for the album it's it gives you puts you in the right mood puts you in the headspace it takes you into saint vincent's world you know Mm -hmm. absolutely does so annie's mentioned in interviews that she wasn't sure what sonic space this song could live in so to that point in lieu of a new album over these last couple years, we got a couple like different versions of Mass Seduction. And the first one of those was actually pretty cool. She put out like a slinky piano acoustic version of the record called Mass Education. Yes. I saw that on Pitchfork when I was digging around. I'm like, what is this? It's just this album, but it's just like her and a piano. Yes, who hang on me, hang on me, hang on me. Cause you and me, we're not meant for this world. You 
Uh, that moves on to track two, Pills. Pills is a really good song. I think it's the best on the record. Pills for every day of the week. And she's listing all the different things. Kind of a bit of a list song. All the things that she needs pills to get through. I love the energy and the drums on this one. The guitar breakdown. Maybe it's more of a bridge around three minutes in. It's just hooky as hell. Yeah. And then at the end, you get some jazz happening. Yeah, well, so this one, the ending, I, I always was like kind of annoyed by the ending because I wished it soared even higher right at the end there. But it actually does more of like a Layla. Right. Where it breaks and then goes into kind of a different song. Another coda, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this is my favorite on the record. I think it's maybe my favorite song by her. When I heard it live, again, for the first time before the record came out, I was just like, what is this track? I have to hear it again. And I wound up finding like 30-second snippets of it online. I just wanted to hear this. I There was something about this song that made me really want to hear it, you know, yeah. again and again and again. And uh, so she, this is a co-write with uh, Antonoff and somebody named Mark Anthony Spears. Mark Anthony Spears is a producer from Compton and goes by the stage name Soundwave. And he also worked on Taylor Swift's Lover. So there's a lot of overlap there with the pop world in this record in that sense. Jenny Lewis is contributing backing vocals in this, but also singing backing vocals Uh-oh. is Annie's ex, Cara Delevingne. Oh, so it was before they broke up, or who knows when. Yeah, St. Vincent told Nylon, it needed to be a posh British voice. I was like, Cara, wake up. I need you to sing on this song. And she's kind of grumpy. And I'm like, please, it sounds so good. One more time. She's credited under the name Kid Monkey. Hmm. Unusual name. Yeah. I love the line, I spent a year suspended in air, my mind on the gap, my head on the stairs. Now, the gap, is she? Ref- she's referring to the, the thigh gap, right? Oh, I took it as the gap in the subway, mind the gap in the subway system. My mind on the gap. Mind the gap. Possibly the retail brand where you can get affordable gray t-shirts and all kinds of horseshit. Socks. <laughs> <laughs> I interpreted it as her working out or my mind on staying thin. Like, it's probably that. I mean, it's a very sexy album. I'm not trying to sex shame you, Paul. No, it's just I've, I didn't. That flew right over my head. But she loves London. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. With a British voice. I don't know. Just. That's. Know. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Um, whilst I think about this for a moment. <laughs> I thought there might have been some deeper meaning or something behind it, but it's actually kind of like a face value song. Like you kind of get what it's about. It's just about yeah. how pills kind of affect your daily life. She told Billboard magazine that she recalled how intense her workload was and how it caused her to use medication to get the rest that she needed. She said, quote, that one was pretty. It came pretty instantly. I had taken a sleeping pill because I was pretty jet lagged. I looked down at it and I was like, pills to wake, pills to sleep, pills, pills, pills every day of the week. Just like that, there was a song. 
I'm using the language of advertising to talk about a very personal story and also a very uniquely American macro story about capitalism run amok on mental health and an opioid crisis as a result. So how's that for a hit song for the summer? <laughs> she says. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> It's uh, it's great. It's a great record, and like you said, that guitar break, that yes. like that's the shit. Oh, I do. I eat that with a spoon. I fucking need it. You know, it's so good. Mm-hmm. That brings us to track three, the title track, Mass Seduction. The title track. And so, I mean, at this point, we've had Annie wrote the first one, and then so Jack and Mark Anthony Spears on track two. So now this is just where Annie and Jack get into this zone, and this is where I started to really get into a zone. Totally. It's got a lot of nice variety to it. You know, There's it also has those guitar breaks, but it opens on that, like, Japanese, like, say enough, hey, or whatever. And that's... Power corrupts. Translated. Yeah. They, so the, and then they made that into a B side. They took that bit and expanded it into its own song, which was called "Power Corrupts." And actually, mm. until this very moment, did not realize that that's what that translated to. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you. Uh, it's political without being pointed anywhere in particular. It's kind of just mm-hmm. a big atomic bomb of a song. Sounds like a Prince song. Yes. As you mentioned, co-wrote with uh, Jack Antonoff. I love this song so much. That opening, everything. The line, paranoid secretions falling mm. on basement rugs. Yes. <laughs> wow. Fucking perfect is that. Really good. Talk about a mental picture. Everyone knows exactly what she's talking about. Everyone on planet Earth knows what she's talking about there. Mm-hmm via Pitchfork. It was the last track to come together. The words to all the verses and everything just came out in a torrent. And I sent them to Jack Antonoff and I was like, is this too oblique? And Jack, who was the ultimate cheerleader, just said, no, this is really interesting. Keep going. And yeah, they wound up winning a Grammy for this one. So it's a great track, great video, weird fucking video. I don't know if you saw it, but it's it's like her severed head cradled. Yeah, it's weird. Atomic yeah. bombs going off in the background. It's strange. Brings us to track four, Sugar Boy. Sugar Boy. Giorgio Moroder. Do you know Giorgio Moroder? He was a producer, I'd like to say 70s and 80s, but he did a lot of big hits for people. And he was one of the first guys to play around with MIDI controllers, where the MIDI controller was actually a robot and was pressing the, the key. So you yeah. had very precise arpeggiations and drum machines and things, but then also actual drums. Sure. So, so metal and having a snare hit. 
This this is very, very cool. It's very dark and intense. I mean, so far in the list, and this is my favorite one. And again, the synthesizer work and the production. Very, very cool. I'm surprised this is your favorite. I really like it too, but I, I was actually not expecting to hear that. That's great. Yeah. I like this one too. Yeah. Reminds me of Temporary Secretary. Maybe that's why I like it. I do have a vein of electronic music that I dive down that I just love. And this definitely fits right into that slot. Yeah, me too. I, I have a big synth and techno like fetish since we're using terms from this album. but A kink. <laughs> <laughs> this song plays with the uh, fluidity of gender. And Annie told The Guardian, the mutability of gender and sexuality. And you can probably imagine that was not a prevalent subject in the suburbs of Dallas when I was growing up. Not even a little bit. And no shade on it now. I love Texas. I'm there all the time seeing family, but I was always going to get out of there. I felt imperative to get out of there. So this is about her very progressive ideas about, you know, sexuality and what it means to be who she is. And and she doesn't really classify herself as one gender or another. Well, I thought she was gay. I I didn't realize that she was in between, or not in between, but just not classified. I think, well, I think she, well, all that stuff gets really like personal i i don't really know 100 percent. i think she describes herself as fluid there's no ju- well, I, I just want to say for not you but the audience like i don't care about any of that stuff like it's all cool whatever you want to do is cool i just i thought from the press and things i read that she identified as a lesbian so that's new information to me i think sexuality is fluid yes i think gender is fluid um i think that there's so much of identity is construct um, and so much of identity is kind of arbitrary anyway. Uh, and I think it's a really, I think it's just a really exciting time to get to broaden the idea of what human beings get to be. You know, I'm a part of a couple St. Vincent fan groups on Facebook, and, you know, there's a big queer contingent that just adores her for those reasons and was going absolutely apeshit when that Dua Lipa thing happened at the Grammys. I'm sure. The gifts that were created, Ryan, the gifts. Oh, the gifts. Mmm, those gifts. Why, yes! Or is just going to do Simpsons characters? <laughs> Another co-write with Jack Antonov. Yeah, I love this one. Uh, elements of the next track are actually evident in here, and that's why I love the sort of concepty, pseudo-concepty nature of this one. Yeah. Because you get little moments from the next track, which I guess we'll jump right into here, which is Lost Ageless, a highlight for me. Yeah, I had to read that several times when I was taking notes because there's a New York track, and I'm like, oh, it's just Los Angeles. No, 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 Lost Ageless. The wind that never comes In love sageless The mother's not there young But I can keep running No, I can keep running ah, ah. Oh, ah, ah. I think you could sum up the whole song In this line I pulled it's In Los Ageless, the winter never comes In Los Ageless, the mother's milk They're young yeah. like, Ooh, <laughs> That's good That's also tr- very true it's the line I pulled as well. You know, living in L.A., this one resonated in the same way that I love L.A. In fact, I think this song and I love L.A. are trying to do the exact same thing. 
from Randy Newman. I would agree with you. Yeah, this is an up, not a note for note update, but a spiritual link there for sure. Because it's a clean production, very, very nice production. Right. But like I Love LA, it has this big chorus that really hooks you in. So I, you're not wrong about that at all. I'd say you are correct there. I love the line that, well, that fuzz break of the guitar is awesome. And then there's that line, I'm your monster and you're my sacred cow. (laughs) Crazy. The video for this is insane. It's wild. That's where that psycho alive sushi and the pedicure that starts to absorb her body like slime climbing up her legs and if you haven't seen the video for los angeles just check it out like it's wild but yeah it's it's simultaneously a celebration and a condemnation of los angeles yeah which is what every analysis of la i believe should be <laughs> right just yeah this like dirty trash town where all of the dreams are <laughs> created and written and shot everyone has an abusive relationship with la at times absolutely correct uh, this is the second single to be taken off the album. And to me, way better summarizes the album than the first single, um, which we'll, we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, I really love this one. This is the one where I was like, oh, I, okay, I know what this album is. Yeah. Because the lead-off single sounds nothing like the rest of the record. So this one was in particular. Well, that was New York, right? So this is New York and then LA. And very interesting. Yeah. And this is uh, this is one that Tuck and Patty are on. And Annie wrote it on her own. This is uh, one she wrote without Jack. And I love this song. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's a highlight for me on the record. That brings us to track six. Happy birthday, Johnny. Remember one Christmas I gave you Jim Carroll Intended it as a cautionary tale You said you saw yourself inside there Dark yet it like a two-man you will Remember one summer we walked in Times Square I showed you the zombies with hundred and stairs You took a big set So what, Johnny, the, she, Johnny's appeared before. He's a common character in her stuff. Again, very Jack White. Jack White has Susie Lee, which is his stand-in character for a lady crush or whatever. Johnny, I think, is her stand-in character for close friend or you know somebody very close to her in some capacity yeah there's like a johnny trilogy at this point because there's a marry me john on my first record and then there's a prince johnny on the saint vincent self-titled one and then there's um happy birthday johnny on on this one uh the song is you know i think everybody has like that person they simultaneously like just completely fill you with joy and then also completely break your heart in um in so many ways uh and that's the johnny character for me he's like lovable troubled like lost soul yeah i was surprised by this one the slide guitar and it sounds like a Wurlitzer. it could be any of those or even a synthesizer you know it's a nice record and i thought they were all going to be big up mega songs but not this one and now yeah. a, a couple that come up as well yeah it pumps the brakes a little bit on the record in a, in a way there's this stanza i really love remember one christmas i gave you jim carroll intended it as a cautionary tale hmm. you said you saw yourself inside there docketed like a two manual remember one summer we walked in Times square i love this part i showed you the zombies with thousand inch stairs hmm 
you took a big set your hotel on fire we took the blame took the bags to the train so clearly somebody she knows sounds like a very personal song but i do love the um i do love that zombies with thousand inch stairs you know very much describes the it's a great line yeah she has a lot of these she's not verbose she's not a wordy writer like we've met previously she's no courtney but when she writes she makes them count they yeah. all mean something. And they all, a lot of them cut too. Yeah. What happened to blood? Our family. <sighs> Woohoo. Spicy meet the ball. Yeah. Really intense. Of her Johnny tracks, this is my favorite. I think it's the best one of the bunch um, from the different records. But uh, yeah, this is a great one. And, uh, and that leads us to track seven here. Savior. This little slinky little S&M toe tapper, huh? You dress me up in a nurse's outfit It rides and sticks to my thighs and my hips You put me Those background in. vocalizations are really cool. Yeah, it's it's a while. It's yeah. Yeah. This is I guess the most overtly sexy one on the record. It's describing different role play situations that she's in. Yeah, I mean just pull up these lyrics anywhere on the internet and just try to try not to well just try to read the lyrics you dress me up in a nurse's half it it rides and sticks to my thighs and hips and you're like okay well okay let's go a lot of gifs a lot of gifs a lot of oh so many gifs uh, when she's like none of this shit fits it's like whoa <laughs> um hey her aunt and her uncle are in this one too of course <laughs> A solo right uh, by Annie. You know, this album, I think she's very smart and she understands that not only does sex sell, but she happens to enjoy the idea that it sells because she likes to celebrate it. As, at least that's how I would interpret that. She um, obviously is a very liberal person, very much wants people to live their what they feel their best life to be. And if that best life is, you know, getting spanked or fucking getting whipped or hung upside down or any number of things any number of things yes uh then that's your best life and and so savior yeah this is a fairly transparently kink kink song uh mm-hmm. not v kinks you know not but uh kink <laughs> kinky and uh, yeah i don't know how i don't know what else to say about that one you just take I mean? a don't you take a listen to that you just say, just you know what? Stop listening to us. Just go listen to that one. Again, don't listen to us. <laughs> go listen to these artists. How many times do we have to say it? Stop it. Give the artists money. Give us. I mean, we'll get kinky for you. We can do that. I do like the kinks, I will say. Yeah, the band. I, I mean, kinks are fine, too. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think we're going to get into that. <laughs> we'll open that up. <laughs> Watch it, mail. No, no, please do not email us about any of this. <laughs> Thank you. That brings us to track eight, the leadoff single for the record, New York. Where do you land on this one, Ryan? I am very curious to see where this fits in your enjoyment of the record because I think it's a litmus test for one's enjoyment of the artist. Yeah, this is, I wrote this as a Billy Joel style song and I like these, you know, it's, yeah. again, it's the roads, the, 
the just the way you are style keyboard. Yes. And I like her in this space and I was surprised to find her in this space. But then again, it's a song about New York and what bigger New York branded artist is there aside from maybe Sinatra. Yeah. New York is in New York without you, love. So far in a few blocks to be so low. And if I call you from first Avenue, we're the only motherfucker in the city who can handle me. New love wasn't true love back to you, love. I find that people who are not inclined to like St. Vincent tend to like this song. Are you attacking me, Paul? No, no. What I mean by that is to say, like, when this single came out, I sort of looked at it and went like, eh. Interesting. But I was getting emails from people, or not emails, but like texts and things from like friends who GIFs, knew I liked. A lot of GIFs. <laughs> Who knew I like St. Vincent going, oh, yeah, that's a great song. And I, I remember thinking, like, boy, I think this is maybe just the St. Vincent song for people who don't like St. Vincent. All that said, like, I think it's a great song. I grew to like it more, but I think I just prefer her other – when she's playing in those other spaces. But I do – yeah, this it's a it's a great song. It's a lead-off track uh, single for the record. It was released many, many months prior to the album's release on June 30th. Um, 2017 it's a good sentiment if i last strawed you on eighth avenue you know that whole like god this is it this is the final breaking point we're done and you know eighth avenue yeah yeah isn't that what she's saying i mean i that's how i interpret it see i've never looked at really the lyrics to this album very closely so if that's what that is i love that i mean i I mean i think so i if i last strawed you on eighth avenue well because she says previously you know, new love wasn't true love. Back to you, love. So much for a home run with some blue bloods. If I last strawed you on Af- on Eighth Avenue, you're, well, you're the only motherfucker in the city who could stand me. She's yeah. talking about New York, Eighth Avenue. I mean, Eighth Avenue is great. All the restaurants and shops down it. You get the whole picture, and yeah, I think we've all had those moments in relationships where you're like, I am done with this shit. Like uh, right. that, and sometimes it's not even the thing. It's not a big thing. It's just, okay, well, that one tiny thing, it's the final weight to just, just destroy the cement block of our relationship. But she's saying, like, I, I can't lose you. I've lost my hero, my friend. Let's do this again. I have a soft spot for New York. I always think I'm going to move back there. But then when I look at the rent prices and I remember <laughs> actually living in New York, I'm like, I think I'm going to visit New York for a week. <laughs> and four days in, I'm like, I got to get out of this place. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have a similar relationship with New York. You know, I, I've had those moments. I was more of a Ninth Avenue man. A lot of great just dive bars on Ninth. Mm. Those moments are, are very well articulated in this song. I love the, I guess you'd call it's not really a chorus. I don't even actually know what you'd call this part of the song where she says, you're the only motherfucker in the city could, who could handle me. Because I guess I'd lost a hero. I lost a friend. That's really the chorus. It's yeah. almost like the, the bridge to the chorus in a sense. Transitional element of some kind. You know, since this was the leadoff single, when she played it on like late night shows and stuff, she had to change it to the only other sucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, one of those uh, uh, Monday to Friday planes type situations. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Nice, like, kind of a commercial jingle feel to it. I like yeah, it. I, I like her in that space. Yeah, uh, that brings us to track nine here. Fear the future. 
I always forget this song is on here. I forget I like it. Yeah. I do like it, though. Um, so, for the badass guitar and the poppy effects, you know, kind of gives you a, a flavor of everything that's on the record. Mm-hmm. I wrote down, these are my only notes, some kind of space storm happening here. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. When the earth split in two, I was I, you were you, I run for you, run for me too. When the earth split in two, I was I, you were you, run for you, run for me too. When the wall rose and fell, and the oceans are It sounds like there's a yeah tension moment in a relationship. It's like you. I think you were just saying a breakup. Yeah, some something to do with breakup. Some sex on that one too. I come for you. Come for me too. Come on, sir. Just give me the answer. <laughs> My baby's lost to the monster. Yeah, she named the tour after this song, "Fear the Future Tour." But yeah, this this album. It's funny. The back half, I really don't love. Yeah, but I also still like it even though i don't right. love it i still like it um that brings us to track 10 young lover you know same thing i kind of feel the same way about this one as i do about fear of the future but i do also like it though it's a damn good song it's very sad yeah. that dance feel with the pop sensibility but it's there's these bits here oh so what your mother did a number so i get gloves and rubber to clean up the spill like this that's really scathing holy shit you're right whoever that was directed at is gonna have to work out that one in therapy like (laughs) damn and then (laughs) you say you got no room to talk babe you're boozing on a midday and i don't see no cake fuck (laughs) i like that outro no i young lover yeah very very cool ending good stuff on there and then dancing with a ghost isn't really anything more than a prerequisite to the next track which is slow disco now this song i did not care for initially and i don't know if you came across this in your research but there was a fast version that was released for pride day no no Hmm. and there's a music video where she is literally just scantily dressed and melting atop a pile of dudes fucking each other. Huh. Worth a watch. Very 90s when you pump up the doom, 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 like that kind of thing. I did wind up loving this song because that fast version caused me to go back and reevaluate it. And in the end, I actually really liked this song a lot. I sway in place to a slow disco and a glass for the saints and a bar for the road and I think
the first version of slow disco um, was the kind of pretty string version that's on the mass seduction record and then I recorded the soft pretty version on the piano record oddly enough it was uh, Taylor Swift who um, works with Jack Antonoff all the time and said like Jack please you guys got to make a pop version of that song so we did and it, yeah because I always felt like that song it could just wear a lot of different suits and still be solid so we did three versions of it very postmodern Look out, Kanye. <laughs> the thing I found, the, there was an interview she did with Pitchfork where she was talking about doing a co-write with Joy Williams. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw this. It, she had this line, I'm so glad I came, but I can't wait to leave. And they kicked some stuff around and they, you know, they, I guess they wrote a song about how the life you're living and the life you should be living are running parallel and how mm-hmm. one haunts the other. Sure. But, she, but she ended up gutting all of these lyrics. But I guess she's saying she wanted to be respectful of the contribution. So she left that line, I'm so glad I came, but I can't wait to leave in. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very well-written song. And then again, the outro, she's like nailing the outro. She, she clearly knows, maybe she wrote a couple songs like, oh yeah, this is the last one for the album. But yeah. don't beat a slow dance to death. Sort of singing it like a question. And, and booming, like anthemic. With that orchestra know? and all that. But see, it's, it's by, by this point in the record, I'm like, whoa, okay. I was, I think I was wrong about St. Vincent. What okay. else did I miss? But again, also, I'll say, I'll give a Billy Joel reference. You, could, you listen to the first five Billy Joel albums and you're like, yeah, some of this stuff is uh, bad, is the word you use. <laughs> and then he turned in. The Stranger, and every yeah. I'd say every song except for one of the songs, just like holy smokes, yeah. that's a rumors level like album where every song is basically a single. <laughs> and maybe this is her version of that, or maybe her next album is that. But this is proper artist development from where I'm sitting. You know, I see her growing in leaps and bounds. Like I don't see that young curly haired girl in any of this anymore i don't even remember it but i know yeah. that they're all the same artist it's very good yeah there's a liberation like she's been set free like she's attained this fame and now we're seeing what she's decided to go do with it and it's just to be herself mm-hmm. and there's a confidence in it and a bravado and you know there's a i think the production helps to reinforce that kind of almost rap level braggadocious nature to it but not in a way that makes it seem like she's being obnoxious it's just she's she seems very comfortable with herself and what she represents so uh, that brings us to the end of the album here with smoking section sometimes i sit in the smoking section hoping one rogue spark will land in my direction and when you stomp me out I scream and I'll shout Let it happen, let it happen, let it happen And sometimes I... I toggle on this one. Uh, Sometimes I feel like Slow Disco is really the end and this one maybe should have just been a B-side, but I actually really like it. It is moody. It is kind of dark. 
It's a weird note to leave such a happy album on. I don't know where you come down on this one. This does happen with artists, and it goes back to my nine songs is the best album length, unless you're you know you're really invested, and then I think twelve is the best, unless you're the Beatles and you can pull off fourteen songs every record, and they're just barn burners. Yeah, you could cut two to four songs off this album, and it would have no noticeable effect for me. Yeah, be a slow disco that does feel like the proper ending of the album. That's not to say that this is a bad song no. in any form. And there's also weird things with publishing and how much you get paid versus how many songs are on the album and how you, fast you get out of your record contract, depending upon how many songs you release. And I mean, who really knows? I'm always a less is more sort of person, but... I mean, that's the White Album, right? That's why they did the double. Right. In the whole let it happen, let it happen part of the song is very catchy. And But then at the end, she's saying it's not the end. Yeah, right, right. I feel the same way about it. I, You know, in in this day and age, a B-side doesn't mean what it did. And this one, to me, would have been a B-side. But I like it. It's haunting. But it does leave you with a weird taste in your mouth. I feel like uh, Slow Disco would have been a more appropriate yeah. ending. Uh, the, the 12, this is an album that could have been 12. And I'd be like, yeah, all these are good. And, yeah. and honestly, the Dancing with a Ghost doesn't even count. Yeah, so it is kind of a 12, I guess. So it is a 12 that could get pared down further. But I, yeah. you know, we skipped over it. I liked that they hung on that instrumental for almost a minute. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. So that is St. Vincent's Mass Seduction. Thank you all for joining me on this one. Thank you for having us. Well, I, I was, I'm pretty transparently a very big fan of uh, Annie Clark. I think, you know, if you were at all interested in the music you heard today, really check out her body of work. If nothing else, the self-titled St. Vincent, the one she won the Grammy for, that's that was really the big one. In fact, I struggled picking this one because I, in my heart, I kind of know the self-titled is a better record. I just like this one more, and it's our podcast, so whatever, fuck it. But Yeah, it's our free podcast. <laughs> like to remind everyone. If you're upset with us, just turn it off. It's all right. good. <laughs> if you like this, check out the self-titled. And, and Strange Mercy is also very, very good. So thank you, Ryan, for coming on this thank journey you, with me, this weird, sexy journey. We'll always go on a weird, sexy journey with you, Paul. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Wait, uh, enjoy every sandwich. Enjoy every sandwich. have an opinion about the album we discussed today contact us at at now hear this podcast on instagram at now hear this pod on twitter facebook.com slash now hear this podcast or email us at now hear this official at gmail.com see you next time getting some of these rattles of these ice cubes I'm wearing cargo shorts literally right now because I haven't put on pants in 50 days. Um, Whoa. He uh, looks like this guy. Well, hey, Ryan. Hey, Paul. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm here to tell the listeners that if they'd like to contribute Mm. to help keeping these Now Hear This episodes coming, well, they can donate featuring the wonderful new donation technology that ACAST has developed for us. That's right, ACAST. 
has helped us out. They host the show. Yeah, our hosts, Acast, have made it really easy to donate to the show. They have an Acast supporter feature, and there's a link in the show description that you can follow to kick a couple bucks for the show. It can be five bucks, a hundred bucks, less than a dollar. We don't care. Yeah, just something to keep the lights on. It's all out of pocket, and we do this out of love, and that's it. And we love you all for listening. Thank you very much for doing that. Couldn't said it better myself. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, bye then. <laughs>